As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to the TIFO Football Podcast. I'm Michael Bailey. Hello. Uh, there's no Joe this week again, I'm afraid, but we do have John McKenzie. Hello. There he is. Not stroking his beard yet. We also have JJ Bull. Yes. Who's here as well. And today we spoke about so many amazing things. England and Scotland's League Cups and the fact they have three handles and maybe why. A refreshed Tottenham that are still painful on the eyes. How painful will it be to put grit in your eyes? Don't do that at home, please. Uh, Who would be a sorbet manager? A palate cleanser for Chelsea if they sack Graham Potter. Uh, John is very excited about Javi Gracia at Leeds. Yes. Yes. Wildly so. And uh, by way of a little digestive of Ligue 1 football, etc. Yes, and if you want to hear even more about all of those things, you should get The Athletic. Shouldn't you, JJ? Yes. What have you read that was lovely on The Athletic? Oh, I've read all of it. Wow. I read every single article. That is a lot. That's ever been written on The Athletic this week. Because there is a huge palette and Might I tell you there are many. You, you might. It took a long time. Seb wrote something today. Excellent. About the Bundesliga. Which you obviously read. Seb's always really good, yeah. Yeah. I'd read Seb. Do that. And, and everyone else as well. And uh, you too can read The Athletic with a 30-day free trial. And the only way you can do that through this podcast is to go to, JJ? Theathletic.com forward slash TIFO. And then you can read uh, articles like Michael Bailey's Analyzing Marquinhos' Norwich's debut. The other Marquinhos. You've got a Nunez as well, haven't you? Yeah, you got a Nunez. It's got a, it's got a better goal than Darwin in midweek. Yeah, How was the debut? Are you just signing good. players who have good names now? Yeah, yeah in the hope. Yeah. In the hope. Or maybe it's... He sounds good. Maybe it's just where the scouting went wrong. They yeah. thought they were getting the other one. Anyway, there's enough of that and enough of Norwich. I will definitely not mention them again. In the meantime, I will leave you with the, I'll get this right this week, cool hands and the even warmer embrace of Steve Hankles.
Let's begin with the English League Cup. Manchester United 2-0, Newcastle United. Manchester United have won their first major trophy since the 2017 UEFA Europa League, which was five, day, five years and lots of days ago. Uh, should we have the debate about whether it is a major trophy or not? Or should we just yeah, bask because in... John got angry earlier, so I like that. Let's go into that. Let's get John fired up. F- first major trophy for Manchester United in five years, John. Yeah, it's not a major trophy. I don't, I don't know how you can say that. Well, what's a minor trophy then, if that's a major trophy? And then uh, what's in between? What's the mid trophy? It's when you can dig the most coal. <laughs> <laughs> the last time Manchester United won uh, their trophy, minor or major, uh, as I said, was in 2017, when I, I think it was Jose Mourinho classed it as part of their treble. Mm. Mm. I, I know what it is. It's, it's when it's quite, it sounds quite sad. <laughs> 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 I think that if if there is two levels of competition, so in England that the domestic trophy is the FA Cup and then the League Cup, right? In that order, that's not it doesn't makes it not a major trophy. And that's why the Europa League is not a major trophy either, because you should have won the Champions League, right? It's simple. But it's still a trophy. <laughs> it's still a trophy, JJ. What's United won a trophy. Right, so you get all these um, people who will say that, well, you can't say they're good enough unless they win a trophy. And suddenly it's important when it's a final or it's a semi-final. Then it's important, apparently. But other than that, or if they don't win it, it doesn't matter. The whole point is you're trying to win trophies. Isn't that the point of football? You're trying to win stuff? It's changed now. It's not about that. It's about making sure you compete always at the top for the best football signings. That's what I think. <laughs> it's not even about the trans- like the Premier League about really it's about who you sign in the window it's people are more excited about you win like Man City won a trophy when they bought Erling Haaland I really think that's how it works now. Oh. Champions League is obviously the big thing that's the biggest one to win the World Cup is actually like the pinnacle of football then the Premier League that's how you judge who the best one is but if you win the Premier League and the next season you start the first, you, you, you lose four games in a row you draw two and, and only win one then suddenly it doesn't matter that you won the league whatsoever doesn't matter but if you sign Erling Holland, you win it I'm I, just trying to make an odd I'm just trying to get you I like the, the theory <laughs> I like the theory I mean I, I guess there's a lot of people in football who run football who love the idea of it all being about the places and the money and the things but actually the the players and the managers and the supporters it is just about winning something and also it's, it's about rel- relativity isn't it Norwich have only won one major trophy which is the League Cup don't take it away from them, John. But like, and likewise, where Manchester United are, winning the League Cup represents a stepping stone, surely, to more silverware. Maybe bigger silverware, but silverware nonetheless. Yeah, I mean, the stepping stone thing is interesting. Uh, Thanks. Because I, because I think Manchester United have won Cups in the past, and it's not been a stepping stone, right? Louis van Gaal won the FA Cup. Uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer got them to the Europa League final. And Mourinho won the Europa League final. And, Part of his treble. And the league, did he, he won the League Cup as won well? Won the League Cup and the uh, Community Shield that year. That's obviously uh, the, the, a treble. Like we can sh- surely agree that the Community Shield isn't a major trophy. No, it's count that as well because you count all the trophies at the end of the season, all the ones you've won, and that counts as well. Now that is a minor trophy because you've literally only got there because you won another trophy. And it's like, let's have a friendly get together and see it's how It's not we a do. major trophy, but it still counts as a trophy. Club World yeah. Cup then, not, not a major trophy. Uh, but that, um, I count it. You got to be in it to games. win it. Yeah, what if you only games. get into the Champions League because you won it the season before? Well, then you're defending champions, so that's fine. Cup that's winners' fine. cup. That was a major trophy. Yeah, 
Yeah, and that had a, like a sensible the Fairs way. Cup, or whatever it was called. Yeah. Europa Conference League. But that's the thing with these trophies, right, is it's all relative. If Newcastle had won it, the fans would have gone nuts for days because it would be a huge thing. The first trophy they would have won since 1955. They've always wanted to win one. I had a soft spot for Newcastle growing up. You still love watching them. And I remember watching the FA Cup finals in 99 and 2000 and closer to 2001, maybe. I can't remember. But I remember Shearer lost both. And uh, Tim Man- specifically Arsenal, Man United Yeah, because the Shearer was the big draw at the time, right? Because he was the world's most expensive player by a million miles Especially when you counter in them, inflation or whatever So that's the thing So Newcastle, huge deal to them For Man United, it's a uh, it's, uh, point to prove that they are on the right path now They've returned to their winning ways And therefore that's what it means It means that to them But to Newcastle, it means Oh, suddenly we've won a trophy There was people being interviewed outside Wembley it's like Older guys, like 60-odd who were so emotional, they were crying, like talking about how excited they were just to be there, that they knew that there's, there's suddenly hope, optimism. And the hope you have as the fan is that there is there are blue skies above, there's not a glass ceiling. You are then able to do things like reach cup final trophies, uh, finals and then win trophies because that's what it should be about. You get to celebrate on the day, you win. I mean, Aberdeen, the last trophy that Aberdeen won was a League Cup in 2013, 14, I think it was. Maybe, yeah, I think it was that. Uh, enormous. The first trophy in about 20 years. It was absolutely huge for us there. But Rangers and Celtic don't really matter because they win them every single year. But it's still a cup. Like t- Try telling St. Johnston when they won the double a few years ago. That's not a big achievement. That's what I'm saying. Norwich, you know? two-time league getting, cup winners. Yeah. But, that's okay. but, but different, different clubs have different yes, levels of needs. expectations, right? And, that, and that's, I guess that's why this is an interesting one because... Everyone is viewing this as this is a necessary stepping stone to something bigger, but I I don't necessarily buy that. I think obviously the big question with Manchester United is you know what what level will they reach under Eric Ten Hag? And as things stand, it looks like they're definitely going to be you know competing at the highest level within a few seasons. Um, but I, I, for, for me, like there is a lot more than just simply winning a League Cup to to prove that you're at that level. And for me, that is more important than than the actual League Cup itself. Yeah, which... they are competing. That's the that's the actual real competition. Yeah. yeah, and 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 I guess that for me, like the future now is is going to be about like I still think and have said that Manchester United are still not at the level that they would want to be in terms of performances. And I think even the game yesterday, I think they spent lots long top, uh, stretches of that game sitting deep and, and absorbing. I think that, that Newcastle. I think you know you know you can argue both ways about about whether or not Manchester United caused Newcastle to be quiet and not generate too many chances. But I felt in many respects in the game yesterday, Newcastle had the the better moments. They progressed the ball better. They got the ball into the opposition's final third. They had more shots in in the box, for example. And in in some respects, Manchester United were playing sort of underdog football for, for periods of that game. That's not the level that Manchester United want to be at. That's not the level that Eric Ten Hag wants to be at. And that is not the level that you have to be at if you're going to consistently challenge in the big t- tournaments, right? Like the, the Premier League and, and the Champions League. So I still think that Manchester United have a ways to go. I think the trajectory is incredible under Eric Ten Hag. But there is still questions to be raised about like how that progression is going to look in the next few seasons. This week, United could have gone out of the Europa League could easily have lost uh, the the League Cup final. They've got FA Cup coming up in, during the week. And they're still... I mean, they look good for finishing at least third in the league. The trajectory is 100%. It's right up there. He's done an incredible job, Ten Hag. Everyone's bought into it. He's made uh, average players look good, which is hard to do. And he's got 
a system that clearly works with players all inside. He's just changed what the... They're now a, a, a team you would fear to play against, whereas that hasn't maybe been a thing for a while. It seemed that everyone thought there was a bit of a vulnerability that they could maybe target. Like they knew where the, the bit on the boss was to target with your arrow, that sort of thing. It's a video game. But now you don't know exactly where that is. I think the way that he dealt with the last two games tactically is really interesting because against Barcelona, he made uh, clear changes that were... He didn't just change, he didn't change player for player. He changes things to make something else work within the game. Usually, I mean, there's, I'm still I'm sure there are player for player stuff he does, but... He made uh, clear decisions that helped them win the game against Barcelona. We've got a video about that in Tifo IRL. And then I think against Newcastle, I sort of half agree with John Mahat. I think a lot of it was on purpose. I think to do with having the quick turnaround from Barcelona, how tired they would have been. I think it made sense to then let Newcastle just go for it and use all their energy up, absorb them, hit them on the transition. And then you get Rashford and that um, hitting them where it would hurt them. And I thought they, I didn't feel really Newcastle were in the game much. I thought Man United kind of had them and they just kept them at arm's length. Uh, didn't create huge amounts of chances, but I never felt like you know you sort of feel there's not that Newcastle weren't really ever going to win that. I think after two nil down in very quick succession from like a set piece and then a a goal that was very lucky. Yeah, sure, but like <laughs> they didn't have to do a huge amount to to get to that point. Now yeah. again, that yeah, you may be right. They, you yeah. play you play the opponents that that you come up against. I thought that both teams were were sort of fairly meh and. Maybe that's just a final. That's what Fairly final. Met, looks and then maybe like. Man United had the better players, so that's why they came. Yeah, and, and look, if 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 Eric Ten Hag sat down and went, okay, let's just let's just sort of ride the the, the game out and and you know take our chances when they come up, then fine. But I don't think that he will have gone into the game thinking that, and and I don't think he would want to go into games of that magnitude thinking that that they should sort of play. But I don't, I don't think that's what he did. I mean, the way you look at it is, you know how Newcastle are going to play. Loads of energy. He talked. He was doing the, the Alex Ferguson thing of trying to make sure everyone knew that they'd waste time and try and slow mm. the game down to make, to do it how they want to do. So we can try and slow down the momentum from the very start and the way they want to go at them. Newcastle don't really generate great chances anyway. It's, they don't score that many goals. They have good. Uh, good defence and tend to play a high line because they play a high line you can use your your strengths like Rashford and um, Anthony was in the right wasn't he from the start I'm pretty sure yeah or was it Ran- Fernandez in the middle yeah I mean I watched the game I did a video on it and I can't remember all the <laughs> subtle detail but like he played Dallow from the start because they, they want to be in the front foot that's the idea right he played Dallow rather than Wan-Bissaka maybe he played Dallow because you know Dallow can play in the front foot from the start from right back but also he can take a yellow card early on to get rid of St. Maximin and then you can put on Wan-Bissaka later so Wan-Bissaka doesn't get the yellow card that he might get if he played earlier because he'd be making more tackles against St. Maximin and then you let St. Maximin you know, stay wide and then you have Casemiro coming up to double up on him. That's the main threat from wide. Or oh, is it really a threat? Because although he's good with the ball, he doesn't often release it in the way you know him to. And then they sort of played against Newcastle High Line. They could hit them in transition where they knew they would be able to do that. They don't have to press them high. There's no need to do that. Expend loads of energy. Play it calm. And then things would come from that. I mean, that's not a bad way to manage the game. Yeah, I'm sure. But I, 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 kind of, I kind of feel as though I was surprised at the way that they played. Because I thought they would cause Newcastle a lot more problems, and they they didn't really. Maybe that's they, they scored their first goal in what thirty minutes. Yeah. Before that, they didn't really generate a huge a huge amount. John and... John's just in a minor trophy final slump. I think that was <laughs> that was probably part of the problem. But um, speaking of minor trophies, um, France binned off their League Cup, the Coupe de Ligue, which is pretty much how you pronounce that in French, I'm sure. Uh, the last Coupe de Ligue was won in 2020 by. PSG, apparently. So that's exciting. It's good. Well, is it? Because well, those French fans had a chance to go to uh, to Wembley. 
Exactly. Giants completing the treble that included their own community shield. Perhaps with the, those reflections on Newcastle, do, do we, uh, we're not going to worry about them, obviously, but it, does it feel like the meteoric rise, which is not true because you can't rise like a meteor, but the way they were rising earlier in the season, that's going to now tail off slightly like the tail of a comet with more space analogies. Are, are we worried about Newcastle, but not worried about them, obviously? Uh, not worried about Newcastle, but they've probably peaked with all the momentum and a lot of what they're doing relies on the momentum of what they are doing if that makes sense like to as play, much as my comment well comment you, you need to if you're going to play with loads of energy and intensity you need to keep that up and it's very hard to sustain that level of intensity and momentum over the course of an entire season it might just be they're going through a little blip now and then in a couple of weeks they're back on back at it but the reason they've done so well is from their defensive records not their goal scoring one but they've got players like Alexander Isak coming back into it St Maxman is back um like such a difficult player to watch because he's so fun on the ball, but his output is poor. He's been a lot better this season, uh, I think. And but they're fine. Like Newcastle are on an upward trajectory, but it's a it's a hill whereas Man United have gone up it like they're in a lift. They might be a bit deflated now, though. Or stairs, maybe. They've, they've lost their final. I do think that with a t- for a team like Newcastle, they're in a really weird context insofar as like a couple of like last season they were in a relegation battle they were below dragged, Yeah, they dragged their way out of it, and uh, as a result of that, I think a, a lot of teams have struggled to know how to come up against them tactically, in uh, because they're playing quite a, a quite unique tactic in many respects, but also because teams are still not quite sure of what level Newcastle are at and yeah. I think what's going to happen in the second half of the season now is that a lot of teams who've been maybe a little bit more open to the idea of playing the way that they usually play against Newcastle are now going to just sort of sit deeper I was thinking that yeah exactly it always happens to teams that do really well at the start and then so that you don't try to think of um like, like Wolves are an example of it no one really worried about Wolves too much and then teams started realizing oh they're quite good so we better sit deep against them and you've got to change the way you play completely because you can't just run like Newcastle carry the ball and they dribble all the way through the pitch everyone runs with the ball and they go direct with it but you can't do that if the team's sitting back because they'll just come at you and they've dropped out of the top four now after having had a few games like that right where they've really struggled to break down teams who've sat deeper and um that's going to be the challenge for them for the rest of the of the season. I think they're super unlucky to not still be in the top four in many respects. But yeah, this is this is how Premier League football goes. They've got two games in hand, I think, off the top of my head. Yeah, two games in hand, four points off Spurs and fourth, yeah. And we will be talking more about other bits around that in a tickle. Uh, but of course, Newcastle will always have the 2006 Intertoto Cup. Another major, the, the, major they, trophy. They won. That was that, that a major trophy, which also qualified them for the UEFA Cup. Perhaps one of the biggest cups. And back in the day, the UEFA Cup was great. <laughs> yes, especially 1993-94. I remember watching Newcastle and that. I remember Gilles scoring an amazing goal in the UEFA Cup. Was it the UEFA Cup? The when... UEFA Cup became, became the Europa League, right? Is that not? Uh, is is that Europe, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Where, what, is it that or the Champions League when Keith Gillespie set up an Espria hat-trick against Barcelona? Well, I'll tell you what. From uh, one three-handed trophy to another, because thus the Scottish League Cup also has three handles. I said hands, didn't I? Handled. Handles. Hands. Handles. League, Scottish League Cup, where Rangers won two Celtic in a, a no doubt extremely friendly Scottish League Cup final that Celtic won. And Celtic are very good. And uh, although Rangers have made progress, they, they're going to do very well to catch up Celtic anytime soon, JJ. Because what, what, what was it? Uh, 
Celtic could win the treble this year. And if, if uh, they do under Ange Postacoglu, that would be their fifth treble in seven years, which is ridiculous. Yes and no. Uh, no? Well, it's... the problem with like looking at how good Celtic are is you have to put it all into context at a time. So when they were winning, like the, the season or the couple of seasons where Brendan Rodgers' team, I think it was 69 games, they went unbeaten. I mean, it's a pretty amazing number. But they, I mean, they should... They should win every single game because the the difference. Which I did a video on this ages ago in T Four IRL. The the money different. Like money doesn't decide games. Games of football are won on the pitch, but over a course of a season, the best team will usually, I mean, always win. That's what will happen. And Celtic are exponentially, ridiculously far ahead of everyone else. Rangers are also very far ahead. I mean, look at the goal difference in the league, and it goes from Hearts with eight goals difference plus in, in third position. Then Rangers are at thirty eight. Like that's the jump you certainly go to. They're just different. They're in a different world. Those two teams, so they should win. But then Celtic have a slight advantage. Well, maybe not. It's like they're they're better than Rangers just now. They have better players and they're really well organised. Rangers in a bit of transition because Gio Van Bronckhurst wasn't doing a terrible job, but they weren't they weren't great under Van Bronckhurst. So they've changed him. Michael Beale, who was the the mind behind Steven Gerrard's, maybe that's harsh and Gerrard, but the, all the tactics, he ran, he ran training and apparently he had a really large say in the tactical setup of Rangers. And it makes sense because they're playing a lot like how they played under Gerrard um, now that Michael Beale is back. And they'll take time. And uh, they, they lost a game, a one-off final. So they only lost by one goal. Uh, they're, they, sometimes Celtic will win the cup. Sometimes Rangers will win the cup. Sometimes St. Johnson will win both cups. But uh, yeah, it's... I don't know. It's not a huge gap. I don't know what the, what the question was. Sorry, I forgot what you asked <laughs> I, I think you answered it, um, yeah. whichever it was. But I, I, probably worth... Oh, yeah, it could have been another treble, yeah. Well, they're, they're that. I mean, yeah, for all the trophies, it does seem that Celtic have won most of the trophies, well, minor is, and major. <laughs> do, do you know what? This is the thing for me with, um, in Scotland with the Cups, right? So we talk about how United and uh, Man United and Newcastle got to the League Cup final and they didn't play incredible teams on the way to get there, or Man United didn't anyway. Um well, there you go. So you get to the final and then does, what does it really mean to have won the final? You've got a trophy. What does it actually prove? Are you better than anyone that, who's the best in the country? You don't really know, right? Because you're not playing. It's not Man U versus Man City. You're not suddenly like, oh, we're better than you now. It's not what it is. But in Scotland, if Aberdeen were to beat, that's my team because you weren't sure, if Aberdeen were to beat either Rangers or Celtic in a quarterfinal, that's the same as winning the cup because that's, the, that's the, the best you can possibly beat in the league. But you win them, you beat them, and then you get like Dundee United after that, and you lose to them one nil from a penalty, and then like you're out the trophy, and then they go on, or St Johnston go on and win the double that that single year, right? When you beat them once, it's like winning a trophy. <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> but then to lose, to, but then to lose after that would be like crushing, surely. Uh, yeah, it's sort of be just like, oh well, that's football. Yes, that's <laughs> that is football. Yeah. I love it. Uh, Ange Postecoglou is good, though. That's the question. Yes, he, I mean, he is good. Although, if that's, if that's the though, question. Is it good, though? I think the, the, the balance between Celtic and Rangers at the moment is quite interesting because it feels to me like almost analogous to the, the, the balance between Liverpool and Man City in the past few seasons when they, were, when they were both challenging for the title every season. Because I think Ange Postacoglu is very much a sort of Pep, Pep Guardiola acolyte in that sort of sphere. So he thinks about a little bit more transitional, a little bit more exciting than than the in terms of uh, like heavy metal than 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 Pep in that respect. But thinks about positional play, wants to get his players in good positions, um, and is is all about build up, really good build up, um, uh, exciting, yeah, yeah, attacking football. 
Rangers, I, f- I find a little bit more about like intensity at the moment. They have been under Van Bronckhorst, but I think also under under Beal and Gerrard. Again, j- getting yourself into a situation where you can generate good results through th- just through this this really high intense, um, aggressive football, uh, and that serves them quite well. Actually, I think in the the most recent league match between the two teams, uh, Rangers were unlucky to to lose that, and, and and I think this does happen for for Celtic is that they come up against Rangers and Rangers are so aggressive that it just sort of destabilizes their their sort of more patient possessional style of play. I find that dynamic quite interesting. Almost as though Rangers are better set up for the the derby games than than Celtic these days. And again, it was a tough game yesterday for for Celtic. They went 2-0 up and then and then Rangers came back a little bit in the second half. Um Ange Postacoglu was asked in this in the post-match interviews about why Celtic started going a little bit longer in the second half, but they were obviously doing it a little bit to reduce pressure. There's some interesting comments from Pastor Cogley because he was saying, you know, it's not my ideal way of playing, but on the pitch, the players make, you know, executive decisions. If they want to take a little bit of pressure off, then they they can do things like that as well. So again, one of those, that, that's, I just find it a really interesting dynamic that, you know, Celtic are going to more often than not blow away the other teams in the division um, but when it comes to the the, the derby game, the, they're, they're, there's almost a, a way in which the, the way that Rangers play suits underdog football and, and, and those games are always really, really exciting. So, yes, they proved to be no different. Mm. I mean, I would... Michael Beale's obviously managed in England before he's then headed to Rangers. I, I'm guessing he'll want to manage in the Premier League at some point. Uh, I can see Ange Postecoglou wanting to move uh, and managing England, but that's not to say he's got he hasn't got a fantastic job at Celtic, a brilliant club, European football, all that you could probably want as a manager there right now. But also players wise, do do you look at either of those two teams and think, well, there's someone who could cut it somewhere else? Or uh I mean players do leave from there and go to other places like Joe Arabo went to Southampton. Well, Virgil van Dijk. Yeah, there's plenty of Larson did all right after. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like they, 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 it's Scottish football's odd, right? So if you say anything bad about it, people, like, especially Scottish football fans, get really irate, and it's a it's, it's a real thing, right? I like watching Scottish football, but I know the standard is low. Yet good players can play in there. It's not slow; it's really, really fast. It's so quick that you hardly have, you have less time, like basically in, in English Premier League, because a lot of the time people just have to get rid of it because it's too quick. It's, it, and it shares similarities with like I don't know the National League in England in terms of style, not quality. There's a thing, you get really good players playing there, but they have to mix in with the style. And there's a weird thing, I think, where often, this is not really what you asked, but uh, That's I'm, fine. I'm on it now. Um, what I find with Scotland is that when you try and play possession, like a, a possession-based game and you want to make your, the pitch nice and wide to pass around, it's hard to do that in Scotland because you often play against teams who then just get really tight and block and then punish any space that you leave. And inevitably, you will do that by opening up to be able to play the way they want to play but then you need to have really high-level technical players to be able to play in that game. Technical players tend not to do very well against big smashers that you'd get in certain teams, right? Livy, really direct, horrible to play against, really direct. Uh, that's what they do. Like, um, like That's Livingston. Livingston, yeah, sorry. And that's what they have been traditionally. I haven't watched every single game they played this season, so I'm sure they'll change. I saw them play against Aberdeen a couple of times. That, Aberdeen's beat them on the weekend. But... Uh, so when you like Aberdeen in the last little while played under McInnes very much on the counter attack because that's what you have to do because you don't have amazing players like Celtic Rangers have had but the players you need to play that possession based game have to are very expensive and they can get paid far more elsewhere so Aberdeen have tried to sign as a particular example 
trying to compete with Celtic and Rangers, have signed players um, from, well, they've changed their scouting network to try and identify players in markets where they could afford it. Like, I'm trying to think, like, like uh, Majowski's come in, I think he's from Macedonia. Different sorts of players, like not high-level internationals, but ones who are decent, who come in, maybe get a different price when you sell them on later on, but they're hard to get. But the players that Celtic and Rangers can buy are technically good and can play that sort of possession-based game much better than the ones that like Hearts, Hibs, Aberdeen could get in. And so then you have to try and cater the way you're playing to fit in a different style of play. And so like, if you're talking about good players coming in, there are good ones that come in to Scotland and they do well. Like, like uh, I mean, Lewis Ferguson was at Aberdeen, did really well and has gone to Bologna and playing very... They just beat Inter Milan on the weekend, didn't they? Right? And, and Ferguson's an important part of that. He was clearly good when he was at Aberdeen there. And was looked at, I think Watford were really interested in trying to sign him. Uh, High-level players. Kenny McLean went to Norwich. Did very well at Aberdeen. These are the players I see week in, week out, which is why I'm focusing on Aberdeen players. It's the ones I watch, so I can sort of see them. Scott McKenna played at, was playing at Nottingham Forest, doing okay with them there. Ryan Christie's at Bournemouth. Ryan Christie's at Bournemouth, yeah. Again, like ex-Celtic, but played for Aberdeen as well. James Madison like, said he cut his teeth at Aberdeen because he wasn't in the team every single week. He was like a YouTube kind of player, like lots of highlights, but couldn't really get into that Derek McInnes way, but you learn how to play a certain way. you got to really want to win it when you're playing in that sort of league. And... Uh, it's interesting because you, you can definitely go there and play. And in terms of managers, like Postacoglu could easily go to somewhere like uh, Brighton, something like that, and do a really good job. But then, like you said, these are big, massive clubs. The fan base is enormous. They play in front of 40 or 50, 60,000 every single week, and you get to manage in the Champions League. So you swap. Like So Beale went from QPR, championship, where it's a yo-yo thing, hard to get out with that, stuck in there forever. Or you go to Rangers compete for titles every single season, play in front of tens of thousands of fans, watch around the world, and you get to compete in the elite competition in Europe, Champions League. So why would you want to go there rather than like, like that's better than managing, I don't know, what, name a club. Say that? it. I'm not going to offend. <laughs> <laughs> There's one. There Whose fans one. do I want to annoy? Like, you go to Everton Them. now. You go to Everton, Everton. now. <laughs> Huge definitely fans, smaller fans hate their club at the moment. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. That's a good show. <laughs> but you go there, and then what have you got? Right, you're not competing for Europe. It's going to take forever. Like that's almost a closed shop now. It's going to take forever to get into that, and the money they've already spent it's gone. You get a big fan base every single week. You're competing in the Premier League, but you lose most weeks. It's not amazing fun. Or you go and manage somewhere in Scotland where people think it's lesser. I don't know what my point is. I'm on a weird ranting mood today. <laughs> this, Callum, Callum like McGregor. It. Oh, he, great yeah, player. He's good, yeah. Great player. Absolutely. Greatest player in the cinch right now. <laughs> there you go. Well said. Jeremy Fringpong, everyone wants him. Everyone wants Fringpong. Is it Leverkusen, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. Everyone he was a Celtic. Did well there. I think that's, uh, that's, that's dealt with that nicely. Well done. Well, I, I think at this point, we should probably move on to some league rather than the minor league cup trophies. Uh, but let's have a break first. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. That was the break. That was it right there. Everyone all right? Everyone well rested? Oh, yes. Excellent. Yes, and? And Premier League. Let's move on to the Premier League. Uh, Don't where, sound too excited, Michael. Uh, the, the Premier League. Exciting. Uh, we're going to start off with Tottenham 2-0 Chelsea. Tottenham are flying higher than they were. Chelsea are not flying. They are diving, crashing. Uh, You're not committed well, to this bit, are you? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm conscious we spoke a lot about Chelsea last week. And uh, that is what it is. And it's, I'm finding that Chelsea, it's sort of like... It's painful viewing, isn't it? It's watching through like gritted eyes. <laughs> gritted <laughs> eyes. Yes. That's how they feel. It is like watching through gritted eyes. Uh, what could go wrong is going wrong. And uh, it, it, sometimes I mean, to feel pain, I just put grit in my eyes. Yes. So that I can. Which is probably what it feels like for Graham Potter at the moment as well. Uh, will he still be there in the coming weeks? That doesn't need a long answer. <laughs> You know, every single week now, some of my friends in one of my WhatsApp groups go, that must be it now. <laughs> that must be it, surely. And they'll also Southampton. The, the problem with like, the performance against Spurs, did you watch the game, John? Watch I watched game? the first half and I was like, it's yeah, the same I, the don't wanna, <laughs> I, I don't want to do this. <laughs> it's uh, like the lethargy in the passing. So like tactics are very important in football, but you have to have the like intensity and desire and some sort of coherent plan. Like I thought Newcastle looked really well coached in the League Cup final. Like clear um, passages of play, they know where the ball should go and when. When the ball gets uh, when they press high and the ball gets cleared, they're in the right structure to be able to then head it forward to, to pass it out to the wing to the fullback so they have control. They control the games. Chelsea don't have anything. I don't know what they are. It reminds me of when uh, you bring a bunch of like mates to, to fill in the numbers at five aside, and they don't know each other, which is what they are essentially. Oh, that's what they did. Yeah, it just yeah. cost them a lot of money, more than three quid, you know, for, for forty-five minutes. Yeah. Three quid. Well, or whatever. It, that's what, the price. Things of are Norwich. good in Norwich. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say. Yeah, so, yeah. Cost of living crisis. Sure, it's like eleven pounds or something. Forty-five minutes. My yeah. goodness. Um, Premier League goals table here in front of me since the start of November. Uh, Chelsea and Everton propping up the rest of the division with six, six, let me just say that again, six Premier League goals since November. Manchester City have scored 27. That is bad. Uh, that, that is particularly bad. So there we go. Well, um, that will rumble on as, as it does. Until it two wins and 15 for Chelsea, I think. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. Two in a long time. Now, that's not great for them. No, I I know enough to be able to agree with you on that one. Yeah. yeah. And if you wanted to move on from this, Mike, the last thing I'll put into it is that um, I think, who is it that said this? Uh, I can't, I think I might have seen it on the Twitters, is saying how if they were to get rid of Graham Potter and bring someone else in, they'd need someone who can work with lots of young potential players, which is what Potter's quite good at doing. Because whoever comes in other ways will go, well, I need about six first-team players now, <laughs> which will cost an extra 180 million for each one. It probably has got to the point where it would actually be pointless sacking him. They but should fire Graham Potter, then hire Graham Potter. He'd like, be the next best choice. <laughs> just have like a palate cleanser before he comes back in. Like a sorbet, yeah, a sorbet who, manager. Who do you get? Who do you, get him in again. Get? No, give him a break. Say, him a break Graham, go away. Have but, a break. Seriously. Seriously, now, Yeah. In Frank Lampard's voice. Yeah, seriously. Um, who, do they, who do they get? From here, do you think? 
uh, if they were to bring someone in. I don't. I, I think they should just go for the best narrative in the in world football. Of it's so bad now. Just wait until three years time when it's all clicked. Just, uh, just what, keep what, going. Yeah, just plow just keep on. going. Has has a football club ever just sort of kept going regardless with the same, with the manager? Part, part of me no, no, just he's to not see going anywhere because it feels as though that's what's happening. Right? It's sort of like the fans are like, he's got to go. He's got to go. Yeah. Everyone's saying, you know, this is terrible, but they'll they'll just plow on until the... how yeah. how bad could it get? I did a video on Potter recently where I said. Essentially, like he tried to do his thing, and now he's just got to a point where he's like, "We'll play four-two-three-one, and then just try and get the players to sort it out." And they, they sort of build up at the back a little bit, like pass it around, and then they yeet it forward really quickly. He pins a piece of paper with the names on it yeah. to the wall. It's all right, runs off. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, and it does seem as though that is what is happening, and I I can't really get my head around why that is the case. Why he's just able? Potentially, he's just completely lost control. But then but, like, it wasn't even that. It wasn't even the basic four-two-three-one on uh, in, in that game because he was they're doing the thing where it's a four, which is a three, and then the front three is a four or a two. Like I, <laughs> one the, of them drops in. Yeah, they, they're all trying. Like they look to me like they're all trying to figure out what they're meant to be doing and when and where. They don't know who's going to be passing. Yeah. Like, so many times they get the ball and they can see they just pass it to the nearest person, then look around. They don't know yeah. where it's supposed to have gone. It's always the nearest pass. It's never. One of the things that Arteta's Arsenal do is they, they, they skip the first pass, they go to the one guy after it, so you move play forward. But Chelsea just goes short, and then short. A lot then... of people were saying that they felt that the, that the passing was really turgid and, they, and Chelsea playing really slow, but I feel as though the opposite is the problem. I feel like in the past, like, Graham Potter's teams have been that. They've been like maybe on the slower side of oh, build-up This was phase. really slow all the way through. But like, yeah. I, 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 in watching them recently, I just feel as though they sort of move it around the back and then they're like, right, we've got to try and get it in the left half space and then get everyone there and then see if we can solve a problem by just having loads of great players in that left half space. But it's interesting because you see that passing map where all oh, the yeah, passing was like a diamond ball, on the yeah. left. <laughs> <laughs> but that must be a coaching problem. That, that's that's odd. Well, not yeah, coaching. I, like The coach is trying to get a team together. Like, What's he meant to do? It's, it's, it's still only February, mm. just about. Well, you got a job in what, November. It's, it's uh, a mess. September, it's, September. It and the players only arrived in January. I, I mean, it's a bit, September, a, bit yeah. a bit of hiding to nothing because uh, Chelsea like never lose to Spurs, do they? And they never concede goals to Spurs, and they always beat them. And so it's a bit like, well, you're just rocking up, and all of those things are just going to be a stick to beat you around the head with by the time full time arrives, which is what happened. Spurs, on the other hand, they are in the top four. As we speak, Newcastle do have a couple of games in hand, but still, they are good now. Tottenham, having had their struggles, back on it. I mean, I wouldn't say they were necessarily good, but there have been slight positive shoots recently. I think a lot of it comes from the fact that Christian Stellini has been in charge for a few games. And I think to a degree, there's like a freshness there in terms of some of the ideas that they had. So the Manchester City game, for example, was a game that was coached by Stellini on the touchline and he did quite a few interesting things out of possession which caused Man City problems and, and I think Spurs won the game off the off the back of that. Uh, Stellini's obviously coaching in lieu of the fact that, that um, Antonio Conte has had uh, surgery on a, a gallbladder issue um, and yeah has had a fairly rough couple of months as well but I, even just the, the the possibility of bringing in someone else to, to coach on the sidelines seems to have I change things up for, for, for better or for worse. Um, so I do think there are some sort of green shoots there. Um, that Spurs are still doing Spursy things, but um, I, I do think there's there's been a little bit more uh, flexibility in their tactical approach, which maybe hasn't been there so much in the last few months under Conte. Just the best moment seeing Oli Skip score his first Spurs goal. It was a wonderful goal too. They've got Richard Charleston who's been starting now ahead of uh, Hunsung Min as well. So... 
uh, just a few tweaks to give them a bit of bit of freshness, and it's working. I think the best way to judge how well Spurs are doing is by asking any of their fans who all seem to think that it's really boring to watch. Okay. Producer Don, good old Don, uh, producing this podcast right now. Well, that's Steve, but he's doing the video if you're watching the video. Uh, yes, he says it hurts his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Does the table hurt his eyes, though? Because they are fourth. I mean, admittedly, there is... Don? Does, it hurt, does the table hurt your eyes, Don, as much as the football... The games in hand uh, make me worried. The games in hand make him worried. I mean, there is a quality gap between the top three and then whoever does end up in the Champions League qualifying spots, John. They're just not as good. Well, I mean, if you if you clacks on, look at the underlying numbers, uh, I think Newcastle have actually been, have been well worth their position in the top four. Um, we've obviously talked about how things have changed for Newcastle in that, you know, tactically speaking, teams are now much better prepared to know what they're going to do. Uh, and so that may be going to change things. So if, if Newcastle can, uh, I, I think, sort of get through this period of, of other teams responding to the way that they're playing, I do think that they'll, they'll, they'll have enough to, to, to challenge up there. And yeah, it's, it's been a weak top four, I think. I don't think anyone looks at that top four and thinks, oh, you, you know, what a what a strong battle for Champions League spots, which is, I think, a shame, right? Because you look at you look at the ta- you look at the you look at the Premier League and you think six teams should be competing for four places. And it never feels like that's the way, right? <laughs> it's like someone sitting there going, what a strong battle for Champions League places. <laughs> that's what I do. I sit, I is sit that what you do when you're yeah, quiet I in the sit office? Down, I sit down and I look at the table and I think, mm, what a strong battle. What a strong battle. <laughs> Stroking your beard. That's right, yeah. That's what happens behind the scenes. Uh, three. Um, Steve uh, has informed us it's three quid for a seven-a-side in Cambridge as well, which mm, is obviously... You get a strong battle there. Yeah, for the... Strong battle for seven-a-side places in Cambridge. That's what I always think when I look at the prices. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh dear anyway uh, another team that are more rubbish than we thought they would be at the start of this season <laughs> thank you nice, for writing that link a nice segue Steve. again right we've just talked about teams who should be doing better right Liverpool are a team who should be doing they better they should be doing Chelsea better Chelsea should be doing better and Spurs should be doing better and it's not for the want of us trying to talk them up I think you know? everyone should win the league <laughs> just I think everyone in should be challenging for Champions League spot I think both Rangers has... and Celtic should have won the cup I think Celtic and Rangers should be challenging for the Champions League spots and uh, imagine what a strong battle that would be. <laughs> is that is that is that why the trophies have two handles so both teams can you know, so walk away strong, with them? Exactly. You have to, whoever's stronger gets to keep it. Why would it have a third handle so for the referee um, to deter evil? Excellent. Uh, Liverpool. Uh, yeah, we were trying to talk up their path back into the top four. Uh, has have, have they just sort of wandered off? Already. Well, as we discussed last week, football is stupid inherently, so it doesn't matter. They were they're they're very broken at the moment. It's Crystal Palace nil nil Liverpool, by yeah. the way. Which Crystal I mean. Palace is the is a club where like, all the fans want to be doing better, but they're also sort of trapped in that mid table bit where they can't quite get out of it. But uh I mean they've taken points off big teams. Crystal Palace are quite good at that. They've beaten City quite a lot in the last few seasons. And they've got some cracking players as well, Palace. Yeah. But then what and the manager's Name doing the a decent job. Name the cracking players, Michael. Uh, Eze. 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 Yeah. Eze. Well, he's a good player, Eze. yeah. Um, Michael Elise, yeah, I like a, player, a lot yeah. as well. Um, Wilf. Wilf, uh, he's all 30, isn't he now? 
Oh, I've, 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 Take him out the back. Yeah, I've literally yeah. you get him out. I've written him off. <laughs> hey, and me. Yeah, it's not as not as good do, as when he was twenty seven. Exactly. Yeah, those three years made all the difference. I He's did. done now. Yeah, it's a while. Do we notice how lots of players they talk about how like oh they'll be good when they're older. But then they say, oh, well, he's getting to the end of his career now. And the window is roughly 25 <laughs> to 28. 25 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, uh, yeah, you only get to be a footballer for three years. It's a shame. That would 20 your career. Liverpool blow my mind, you know. Do I've they? Said, I've seen this before. Like, I don't think I've ever seen a team go from being potentially one of the best teams in, like, ever to just now, whatever they are. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's mad. Like... I understand the teams dropping off and like not be doing so well and being like, oh, you know, they've gone through this, they've gone through a cycle, they need to reset and stuff. But Liverpool have not, they've not done that. They've just, they've literally just collapsed. They've entropied to this soggy mess of a football club. And I can't get my head around it because that, and that's why everyone's wanting to see these results, right? Where Liverpool beat Newcastle and being like, okay, this is it now that like, things have changed, things have got back, but it's, it's not like this, this team's need, this team needs to be completely rebuilt. They need to, change everything they it's, everything. It's, everything. it's everything massive though like the drop in van dyke is incredible i mean yeah. he had an injury maybe that's related but then they just never have players available because they're all injured salah has been shut out in the wing he's still done okay like we said i did a video recently where i said he was struggling he's not struggling but he's just not hitting the heights but nobody is then you've got the players they brought in just haven't don't replicate what they had. They had a great little chemistry mix with Manny and Firmino. That was kind of, I mean, that's sort of accidental. Firmino was bought by Rogers before, and Klopp came in and, and dealt with him and turned him into this um, superb player. But the midfield is it? Is it lacking? Is it? I don't know. Alexander Arnold. Everyone's targeting him every single week, and the same problems are always there. But it it seems to be almost getting worse. I don't know. Like I feel, I always feel bad talking about Alexander Arnold because he gets so much. Um, it's people slag him off all the time like obviously a good player going for it but the, the thing the weaknesses at the back and they, they don't target him directly on the wing they target him by putting put someone on him at the back post and they double up at the back post on him all the time they, obviously his palace didn't score here so that's irrelevant it kept a clean sheet yeah but it's just one problem of, of many like that and then Van Dijk's a weakness and then there's this stuff going on that the, the press doesn't work people can get through the midfield too easily they don't have the intensity that they once had and it's all built on that and then where do you go how do you rebuild that yeah. Yeah, it's it's crazy, and we talk about Chelsea being like disappointing, but like Liverpool, Chelsea, with Chelsea, you feel like anyone can beat them at the moment, and there's a sense in which that's almost true for Liverpool as well. Like teams going up against Liverpool, you kind of think wouldn't be surprised if they lost this game. Where has the quality gone? Uh, the depth of quality in the Premier League, absolutely disgraceful. <laughs> uh, not so, a strong battle. Uh, not not a strong. Well, yeah, but lots of battles of equally. We equal weakness and next up two new managers down at the bottom where Leeds United won nil Southampton what a debut for Javi Gracia at Leeds John it's on the great escape <laughs> yes the great escape the yes come on be excited possibly one of the most expensively constructed bad teams of all time drags themselves out of the relegation zone it's a great narrative yeah well, it was fine. Javi Gracia is a manager who is obviously towards the bottom of Victor Orta's list. This is not how they anticipated <laughs> how far, things how far going. Down the I don't know. I heard that they had a 12? list of about 40 managers, oh right? Of a short list. Um, and four I, zero. I, yeah, four zero. And I would not be surprised. Is that a short list? Can you have a four? Yeah, I, guess I mean, that's a, that's a pretty lot. Still. Okay, yeah. So 40. Would you, where do you reckon? I, I, Javi, where, no where, would you, where would he be on your list of 40 
Well, I think that, that they they did talk about only approaching managers who were already in work, and then they realised that when a manager is contractually obliged to another club, it's actually quite hard to get them to be. So would they have still that? been on the list? I do don't know. <laughs> would you need a filter at the top to go? Well, yeah. uh, like we're going to have to. Who knows? Down, so then, it, yeah. um, but obviously, what the so top three choice probably then? Yeah, but it's it's a it's a weird phenomenon because like obviously they have ideas about how they want the club to play. And 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 what their game model is going to be, and they 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 plumped on Jesse Marsh and and the sort of Red Bull approach. It didn't work, but they were desperate for it to work, so they persisted and persisted and persisted, and then eventually panicked and fired him. And then they're like, "Well, it's okay because we've got all of these other plans of other managers who can come in and play a different game model and play good football and, and get us forward." And they approached a, a number of them, and there was a lot of really good names in that list, and it was exciting. And none of them came. And then you got into this situation where you're like, well, maybe we give it to the caretaker manager for the rest of the season. He's done really well against Manchester United in two games, play against Sean Dyche's Everton, promptly get, I mean, battered by Battered 1-0. <laughs> battered 1-0 by, uh, yeah, no, another not great team. And and then they panicked again. So Javi Gracia, I think, is probably, in the circumstances, one of the better managers we could have picked up. But we're now in a situation where we've got an interim coach quote unquote, whose job is to keep us up. And I think if he does keep us up, they'll find it very hard not to keep him. And now you're in a weird situation where you're ending up with like an unideal manager now as your as your trajectory forward into the future, which was never the way that it was intended to be. So yeah, like great that we got the we got the win. It was it wasn't the best performance, I didn't think, but like you wouldn't expect that with the amount of time that you have to turn to he had to work with the, I mean he had issues with work permit stuff all the way through the week so in the next few weeks months we'll find out whether or not his team are going to look uh, anything like good enough to get out of the uh, the relegation battle because obviously this is our easiest game of the of the season right bottom of the table at home and and that's like that for me that's we're now in we we moved from a situation where we 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 get we got like a really nice mid table finish under Marcelo Bielsa Everything was exciting. And then since then, we've pretty much every decision that they've made at the board level has, has pretty much been worse. And now we've got a manager who is a Watford manager in 2016-17 uh, for a couple of seasons. And yeah. that's the reality that we're now at, right? <laughs> is that we've gone from being, we could have been a mid-table side with an exciting coach, with exciting players if we'd have planned it pr- correctly. And now the reality is, is that, you know, we are staying up at all costs. And that's, you know, that is... It's, that's fair enough. That's what that's what happens in the Premier League. If you make a few bad decisions, you become one of those teams where, you know, it's all about scraping points where you can. Um, so on the one hand, yes, I'm I'm elated that we won. But on the other hand, it does, it does represent for me something like a, a, an obvious decline from where we could have been as well. I'm like I'm like the supporter every club would want because initially I was like, oh, Javi Gracia, that's. That's strange. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, no, he got Watford to an FA Cup final. And he, and he kept Watford up. Oh, it's a great appointment. And I end up, you know, sort of thinking, oh, that's an interesting thought. When, when, I, when I saw the news that he'd been appointed, I went back and watched some of the football from 2006. Did it hurt your eyes? It, it's remarkable how much improvement there has been in the Premier League from, from that point. But in the 2017-18 season, you basically have the top six. And below that, there's like, there's like Leicester City, who have obviously recently won the Premier League. Everyone else's teams like Swansea, Huddersfield, keep, keep Fulham, naming them. Fulham Tom. when they were bad, like Brighton when they were when they had Chris Hewton. It's like it's like a, a whole litany of of clubs who you'd be like, yeah, they probably could go down. 
Um, so the standard of the standard of football has definitely changed since then. So um, it will be interesting to see like how how he, he works out with with Leeds. I don't. I think he's an underwhelming coach in in many respects. Nice. And my worry is that we get to the summer, he keeps us up, and we just keep him rather than actually thinking right. Wh- who were those coaches that we were going to bring in who had the exciting trajectory? Let's bring them in now while we have the chance. And I don't want to get into that Everton cycle of being like, oh, let's keep this manager and then sack him by Christmas the next year, bring someone else in, like soldier on through the league and then get into that cycle of like mediocrity forever. Maybe he'll be good. Maybe he'll be great. And and we, we won't be able to know for a few weeks on that. But uh, yeah, I, I'm i sort of happy and sad about this at the same time. The problem with a 40 strong shortlist, really. JJ, <laughs> who, who who would you like to relegate? I mean, I, mean, I say that like, who, who's going? Who's, who's going to get? Who's going to? Who, From the Premier League. Yeah. Well, I often look at the Premier League and think, "What's well, a strong battle <laughs> for relegation?" For relegation. Yeah. And uh, I think that I think delete most of them. I think just keep just keep Arsenal, Man City, Man United, Spurs, Newcastle, Liverpool, Chelsea. That's all the ones that people care about in FIFA. Just keep those. Get rid of the rest. Oh wow! Okay. That, that... Maybe make it an eight-team league. Play them that... every single week. That'll be a strong battle. That escalated. Yeah. quickly uh, yeah it, you've, we've reached the part of the podcast where I have become tired of talking excellent <laughs> so, well in that case you could, you could bring Celtic and Rangers into that league as I would well do that. and get rid of them from the Scottish Premier and then maybe like Barcelona EC Milan you could call it the Super Premier League I wonder if anyone's thought of this let's hope not it seems like quite a good idea James. well like when you're playing um, you know FIFA or Pro Evo or something although I haven't really played it for a while uh, you, you always choose the big teams you know like PSG, which we'll speak about after this break. Just trying to give you an excellent segue there. You achieved it. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. That was a lovely break. Another break. Let's talk about PSG. So wonderfully teed up Let's by talk about JJ. You and me. <laughs> Baby. <laughs> Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things and Lionel Messi. Oh. Let's talk about Mbappé. Yes. Go this, on then. <laughs> do this game like Marseille fans clearly don't like Paris Saint Germain very much. They had to have like riot police holding up um, shields to protect players while they're taking corners and celebrating goals, which is a bit nuts. That's one thing. Okay. Not really. Not no. really. Let's get the That sounds like a strong us. battle Str- <laughs> on, Jeez, the, yeah. on the actual field. <laughs> yeah, it could easily turn into strong battle. It looks weird. It's. Um, I don't pay enough attention to uh, French football generally, so I'm very sorry if I'm missing a lot of stories here that I should know more about. So I shouldn't really talk too much about it. But I think in terms of the actual football, this is based off like PSG losing to Bayern Munich in the Champions League as well. And you always think the whole point of them is to try and win the Champions League. Now they're nowhere near it. 
Like this this game was just Mbappe and Neymar like messing about up top, like they're two superstars, and there's all these other lads at the back of the pitch doing the rest of the stuff. It's just a complete divide between it. Brian Ruiz looks a bit better. It seems to be coming becoming more of a Fabian Ruiz. Fabian Ruiz. Brian Ruiz is the Fulham player. <laughs> I was going to say. Yeah, like, yeah he's doing like, well. Really? Well, they're just Late bloomer. To... How old is he now? <laughs> well, what, like I said, you know, you say footballers are only at their peak between 28, <laughs> but I say give them all a chance. Fabian Ruiz, yes. Ex of Napoli, that one. And uh, that, that's one thing. Uh, I mean, PSG, much like in, in Scotland, should win every single game. Obviously, they've had a bit of a, a bad run recently. They're not doing as well as maybe some people... Hope they would have been. Galtier is looking a little bit more stressed on the sidelines, probably because he knows that they're about to lose the Bayern Munich in the Champions League and then that's the entire point of his job gone. Is that his job gone as well? Well, they won't get fired, but what's the point? Like, the only point of them really is that they, they it's so imbalanced with the money there. Obviously, in France, it's done a lot better than it has been in certain other leagues because you've had other, uh, I guess you call them random winners, that you've had teams that you wouldn't have thought would win it at the, at the start of the season. Uh, who have done so, which is nice. So at least that you know it proves that money doesn't ruin everything, even though it does. But that's that's the point there. Like they're just so far ahead, but they, their squad isn't actually that good. Like they've got a really good first team. There's not a lot of depth. There's some young players they've got coming through, but they're, maybe they're trying to change their little uh, plan. They've had a lot of problem with money this season because, unsurprisingly, if you are paying the the wages of Lionel Messi and. Uh, Kylian Mbappe, and I guess to a degree Neymar, I don't know what his situation is like, but it, it's not great for your FFP. Uh, and so they had a massive, I think it was 65 million euro settlement, it was called, to uh, agree to the the fact that they'd broken FFP P rules. That'll help. And Luis Campos, who's the sort of director of football guy, has had to cut a lot of um, uh, of wage bill. So they, they sold something like, they sold nine players at the beginning in the summer and they only brought in six and then they've used a couple of youth players to sort of fill in the gaps as well but it means that they're I do think that their squad's quite thin so it means that they've got when all of their starting 11 is available they can they can fit into a into this sort of three four three system quite nicely but there's been a number of things that have happened they've had injuries they've had players out um They've also had this this situation where Mbappe decided that he was, I think he was playing as the the, the central striker in a front three, he decided midway through the season he would actually prefer to play off the left. So they had to switch up to a sort of 4-4-2 shape. They played 4-4-2 with a flat midfield. That's good of him. With, a, with a diamond as well. So, um, And then the World Cup actually kiboshed them a little bit. So they, they were playing really well until the World Cup happened. They came back from the World Cup. And um, they've they've really dropped off a cliff in terms of their performance numbers. Um, and I, I guess there's, there's there's arguments to be made that like all three of their front three had very different World Cups. Um, so so Messi wins the World Cup, uh, Mbappe narrowly misses out on winning the World Cup, and then Neymar is involved in it with it, with a team who were like up there with the favourites of the tournament who not got knocked out in a, in disappointing circumstances. And I think there's been questions about whether or not that's, that's not their motivation. And I know that after a recent they lost to was it Monaco. Recently, I think, and uh, um, again, Luis Campos went into the dressing room and apparently blasted the players for being like, "You're elite players. You should be performing really well, and you're just your, your heads don't seem to be in it at this point." So they have definitely a weird juncture right now. You knocked out the cup as well by Marseille last time they played. Yeah, yeah, 
Um, and that's the thing that with the way they play, as we've discussed many times before, that everything has to be set up to cater for those star players. You pay them all the money, so you can't have a really well balanced team. But the balance comes by making everyone be far more defensive than what you need. So if you lock them down, and it is hard to stop Messi and Neymar, like they, uh, Neymar and Mbappe, like the goals they score, the link up play was lovely. You can see that the goals are lo- there's all highlights you can watch everywhere. They're really lovely to watch. But uh, most of the game wasn't that like PSG weren't in control of the game and dominating whatever they they comfortably won which is maybe at odds of what I'm saying but it's just them linking up with a bit of a breakaway Messi just finds a tiny bit of space a couple of times and then that's the, the difference you get and when you go to Champions League and play against a team like Bayern suddenly you really see that difference where you can't you just I don't know if it's sustainable you just be, be able to control every phase of the game right if you're if you're at the very elite level and so that's why we're always talking about teams like PSG and to a degree Real Madrid um, because they don't do that, they rely on the, these elite combinations of players to, yeah. to to be able to get their upside there. And so, yeah, it'll be it'll be fascinating to see how the the fallout goes when they inevitably do get knocked out of the Champions League. Yeah, and then what happens? After, yeah, I mean, they're not saying they're bad. Like they've got the players are good. Like the midfield, like Vitinha, Verratti, and, and Rui mm. started that that game. I thought Marseille were decent enough. Um, I think they're missing some players as far as I'm I'm aware, but like, like they're not. Not bad either. Eric Bay, Bay, that we say him. Uh, he was playing there. I haven't seen him for a while. I like I like watching random games now and again, like Kalazanac. Like, oh, that's where he is. I like all that. Uh, but yes, the point being that they should win the league. They're probably not going to win the Champions League again. And then you just think you've got all these lovely players like Messi and Mbappe, and what really is? What are they achieving? What is the point? But then probably. for them, winning the league in France is very big. So what am I to say anything? It, well, I'm saying you should go and manage in Scotland because it's a good chance to win things. What's wrong with being in France? You got to have variation throughout the leagues, otherwise it is the Super League. We've got to the point where JJ just discusses things with himself. Yeah, just, I can do it more. I, it sounds <laughs> well, like a strong battle that's going on inside, inside my head. Yeah. yeah, I don't know what I'm saying. A lot of things I've said, I think in like third person mode. I don't know what I've said. I know I'm saying things. Well, let's now. just uh, let's just cease JJ for a second uh, because <laughs> some more some more strong battles. Uh, more. Briefly, uh, are the Europa League last sixteen draw. Does anyone want to say anything about it? Uh, <laughs> who's in it? West Ham are in it. No, that's the Conference League. Manchester United are in it. Oh yeah, Sporting versus Is, Arsenal. Uh, would this be them winning a minor or a major trophy? Anyone? It's major mid. for me. It's mid. mid. Middle. Minor, so minor would be a Europa third, Conference. A third tier of trophy. We, need a, we do need a, new, a third tier. A th- some third. third thing. Cup winner's cup. Major trophy, minor trophy, and then some secret third thing. Juventus I've... versus Freiburg, my Fry boys. Indeed. Let's, let's not forget them. Yes. There we go. Let's not forget <laughs> them. We haven't forgotten. You haven't forgotten, forgotten them. them. We haven't forgotten them. And Union Berlin are playing Union saint Gilloise. Which is what I practiced before we started you recording. Nailed it. Uh, the, the and there are League, other ones. The Europa League is it is it better or worse than the Champions League as a rule? As what an experience or yeah, quality? As a, as a, no, not quality, but like we, you know how the Champions League is like it's the same teams every every season at this point. Now. It's more fun, isn't it? It's like the fun cousin. It's a little it takes itself a little less seriously because and the it games can't. are always nuts and yeah. and fun because of that. Away we go. Hmm. Yeah. So what does that make the Conference League? Mm. What? What? Uh, no one knows. Don't yet. worry about that. <laughs> it's in the basement. Um, I think that must be it, mustn't it? Time is done. Steve's nodding viciously. It has to be it. JJ's going to like. <laughs> and JJ, well, you're going to have to use shields, riot shields. You know, when, it's a back. bit like Graham Potter. I'm just tempted to see what how it carries on. 
Yeah. Just watch the car crash unfold. Right, that's enough for this episode, I've, I've decided. Uh, so say your goodbyes, it says here. So uh, thank you, JJ Bull. Bye. And another thing, uh, it'd be good if I was the last person that would have been good there, you see. Yeah, yeah, that well, would have been good. Thank you, John. Bye. There he is. Uh, thank you to Steve and Don for their sterling work. Thank you to you, the listener. Uh, and goodbye. And another thing. <laughs> <laughs> Athletic.